Shall we just pray? Lord, we do pray, as was just put up on our screen and sung so beautifully, that you would speak this morning. Lord, we recognise that it is your word that we're dealing with, and we pray that you would help us to hear your voice today, that you would, through this word, instruct, correct, and build us up to be those approved to serve the living God. Amen. I don't know um, if you know what leprosy was. There were, there were several things that might have been called leprosy. I mean, I've got eczema, and, and I'm not going to show you anything, but there are parts of my skin that are not 100%. And at one point, I was literally nicknamed Snowy by the kids because it was just falling off the face. Um, treatment by various means has, has, has got that under control, but it's still there. It's not completely gone. So I, I can understand why this man, uh, Naaman, would have been so um, troubled by it. And of course, it was a scary thing because there is a form of leprosy which basically... The, the worst form, it, it takes out your nerves and it destroys you. So, you know, it, it could be very serious. We do not know what he had, but he was a leper, and it may well be that that, that was what he got. He maybe picked it up on one of his campaigns. Naaman was a powerful man. He was, I won't say the Dominic Cummings of his day, but he was the right-hand man to the king. He was much nicer than Dominic Cummings, from what I gather, even though he was a, a man of great valour. But his king relied on him because he was the man who brought victories. But the scripture doesn't say that he was the man who brought victories. He says he was the man through whom the Lord gave Syria victories. Because we recognise a higher power than any earthly power. We recognise that people who are serving in armies and in other ways, the victory belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to us. And so often we look at people and they look really powerful and really strong and we think, wow, but actually those people are affected by other things in the same way we are. I was in the supermarket the other day and they sometimes stack various magazines like Hello and that sort of thing by the checkout. And there was this beautiful woman on the front cover standing next to her lovely husband in a place that I imagine would cost you a £1,000 an hour to stay or something like that, certainly not anywhere cheap. And they were saying that she was going to talk about the loss of her baby. Because powerful, rich, beautiful, and everything else, and still these things happen. We are not in control, as the Prime Minister was making quite clear, despite his saying, well, you know, we are not in control, are we? So Naaman, commander of the king of the, 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 arm, the king's army, a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded, valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. 
They must have tried everything. They must have tried all the cures, all the prayers to their God. Everything they could think of had been tried before they would have even dreamt of going back to Israel. Remember how he got the captive girl? It was a raid. Yeah, so they're obviously at war with each other at times. And then this girl says to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. And Naaman goes to his master. He goes to the king and he says, look, this is what this servant girl says, that there's this prophet over there in Israel, the northern kingdom, who, who could heal me? And, and I just want to go. And the king says, well, go. And I'll send letters and I'll, I'll offer things. So from their point of view, they are really genuinely looking for this, this maybe chance. It's a bit like sometimes you see people who crowdfund money so that they can take, it's often a child, to America, or sometimes it's been Italy recently, to be treated in a particular way for a particular disease. They're saying, look, we are desperate. If only we could go there, maybe there would be hope. And so he sends a letter, and he sends some serious money and various other beautiful clothes and so forth to the king of Israel, asking him to arrange this healing. And the king of Israel misunderstands. He thinks this is, this is just an excuse to start a war. You've sent this man to me to heal him. You know I can't do that. You're just, you're just going to use this as an excuse to start a war. Because the king of Israel was not a godly man. The king of Israel was one of a line of people who led the northern kingdom further and further and further and further away from God. The first thing they'd done when they split off from Judah by defying Solomon's son was to establish worship outside of Jerusalem because they were worried that if people went to Jerusalem to worship, they might drift back to the king who's in Jerusalem and so forth. In the same way as the Saudis actually became very powerful by taking over Mecca because all the Muslim pilgrims go to Mecca. So they have a huge influence because they've got that place. But the king's wrong. He's wrong because he's misunderstood. But he's partly right because he says this. Am I God? Can I kill things, bring them back to life? Have I got that power of life and death? Well, he's right. He doesn't. He definitely doesn't. So... He rips his clothes, which is a sign of, um, sometimes it's a sign of repentance, but on this occasion it's a sign of, of grief. And he doesn't know what to do. But Elisha, the, the prophet who came after Elijah, the prophet with a double portion of, Elisha, of Elijah's spirit, hears 
and sends him a message. Why have you torn your robes? You're not God. You know that. Send him to me. I'm God's man. This will be sorted. I'm quite sure that he had that from the Lord. He didn't just speak on his own. And so Naaman rocks up. And now this is Naaman's misunderstanding. He's expecting, you know, I mean, I dressed up in a suit today. I suppose I probably shouldn't have done now looking at this. Um, He's expecting him to come in all his robes and finery and maybe sprinkle some water and maybe burn some incense and do this and do that and chant and put his hands on it and everything else. And he sends a messenger, it's probably Gehazi, and he says, tell him to go wash in the river. Doesn't even meet him. You know, the, the second in command, the, the commander of the, the, the army of the king of a neighboring country who's panicked his king and he sends a guy says just tell him to wash in the river can you see why Naaman might have been just a little bit upset now I've got the NIV open at the moment and I did it for a reason the ESV says he's asked you to do a great thing and surely whatever but a lot of the other versions including the RSV and including the NIV have a very slight twist on it and I don't think there's a problem with either translation and I think if you look at the both of them you get a point that's worth making Naaman says <clears throat> not only has he treated me like dirt just by sending a messenger and you know, why doesn't he come himself he's also said we've got rivers if it was about washing seven times in a river couldn't I have gone down the road to well if it was England he would talk about the Thames or maybe go to the Seven they're bigger why, why go to France and wash in the Seine or something? You know, that's the sort of situation, isn't it? So he mentions his rivers, and he says, why couldn't I have done that? Aren't they better and cleaner anyway than this horrible place? And he went off in a rage. And it's interesting, but again, who sorts him out? It's the servants. The servant girls told him, there's a prophet in Israel that can help you. And now the servants are saying, look, look, if the prophet, and this is why I wanted the Niv version, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you to wash and be cleansed? It's a great word. It's a great thing to do, to just go to this river and be washed. If he told you to do something with your sword, you're a valiant man, or to go and, you know, uh, what, what, did, um, what did David do to get a wife? He, he, he went and got the foreskins of a number of Philistines, you know. In other words, he went and beat them in battle first. You don't just say, oh, can I have that, please? Um, if it was something valiant, I'd have gone and done it. No, no problem at all. I'll do that for you, you know. Could you do this? Could you do that? Oh, yes, yes, no problem. We'll pay. We'll fight. We'll do anything. But I just want you to go to that river there and wash seven times. My Lord, if, if he'd asked you to do this other great thing, wouldn't you have done it? So what's stopping you from doing this thing? Now, the flavor in the ESV is it's, it's a great word from the Lord. And they're saying it's, 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 a, it's an okay thing to do. It, it, there's nothing wrong with him asking you to do this. Swallow your pride. Because that's the problem, isn't it? I'm a great man. 
and I want to be seen to have done something good, something great, that means I earned this healing. You know, I go on a quest. You think of the King Arthur stories and all that sort of stuff. If I go off on a quest and I get that, then, then I can have the healing, can't I? No, 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 no. Nothing like that. Just simply go and wash in the river. And God will cleanse you. So Naaman goes down and he dips himself in the Jordan seven times. Now you see why he more than once, you know, I'm just going to go and dip. No, that, that, you can't, that's not thorough. I mean, seven's a, a biblical number for various things. I don't think that was me. Um, but seven times means you've thoroughly dipped. You can't just, you know, if you, if you go down once and you come back up again, it's a bit like a boy with a shower, isn't it? Have you ever seen a boy with a shower? I used to put shampoo on his head and then send him in because that way he had to get under the shower because we found at one point that he was standing next to it with the water running. <laughs> you just think... Boys of a certain age, after a certain age, they, 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 they take ages in the shower, same as everyone else. But he was reluctant like that, wasn't he? He just didn't want to do that thing. But then when he, he, he repented of that, I guess, he went in and he was washed. And what happened? He did as the word from the man of God, as the man of God's message told him to do. And his flesh was restored came out looking like skin, skin like a baby, like the, the adverts for the moisturiser tell you and so forth. And that was amazing. Suddenly, he's realised that without having to actually do anything for himself except just obey, this leprosy that he couldn't get rid of, this uncleanness that was going to destroy him, was eating away at him, was gone. He was like new. He was clean. And he's grateful. So he goes back to Elisha, and he says to Elisha, look, I now know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Now you get what he's saying. He's saying the God of Israel is the true God. But he is a pagan and he doesn't know very much and he hasn't realized, although he wasn't the only one, because after all, why were they worried about where you worshipped God and all the rest of it? Because of the fact that they felt you had to be in a certain place and so forth. But he says, there's no God in all the world except Israel. Please accept a gift. And he offers him the money, the horses, the clothes, everything. He says, oh, I'll give the lot to you at, just, just to say. But you see, that would have defeated what God had just done. God had said to him, just go wash. It's not because you're powerful. It's not because you're important. It's not because you can offer me loads of stuff. It's because I am having mercy on you. Just do what I say. And therefore, 
he refuses. And he says, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. Because that would change the relationship. That would make it sound like they paid God to do it. And that would be so wrong. Because the Lord did this through his own sovereign grace. So he refused. So then Naaman shows you how far he's thought through the fact that he wants to worship the living God. And he asks for the mud, the earth. What? Well, he doesn't want to be on foreign soil because he hasn't quite recognized that God owns that as well and that God isn't held in houses and even just in one country. But he wants to take his piece of the holy land home so that he can stand on it when he prays and offers sacrifices and so forth so that it's holy ground. Now, I, I, I didn't check. I was tempted to look it up on the internet to see whether there's anybody selling ground from the Holy Land because <laughs> they do tours of the Holy Land and all this sort of stuff. And I thought, I wonder if there is. I mean, on eBay at one point, somebody was selling Welsh fresh air. They were just taking the box outside, <laughs> shutting the lid <laughs> and sending it to you. <laughs> so, who knows? But... It's a sort of pagan way of thinking, so he's ignorant. But you, you get where his heart is. He doesn't want to do anything that means that he's not worshipping God properly. And he thinks this is the one thing he's got to do. And you've got to be really careful, especially if you are ever using the internet to watch preachers and teachers and looking stuff up online. Because I look stuff up online, and sometimes I look at stuff and I think, are you serious? Um, and there are so many things out there. Uh, there was one person in our church who, who had a child who is autistic, and quite severely so. He's now actually living in a, a Christian centre near Rutland. But their friend said to them, if you buy this oil, which is made according to this formula, we can show you the Old Testament passages and everything else, and, and put it on him, he can be healed. We can get rid of that. Not true. And they came to me and they said, we kind of don't think this is right. And we looked at it. And it actually, when you look at it in context, it was a particular oil used in the temple and should never be used for anything else. And they'd mixed that up with James, where you anoint people with oil and pray for healing. But it wasn't the same oil anyway. That, that, that doesn't have to be that. And, and they'd made it into a little business. We'll sell you this oil. But quite literally, what they used to call it in America was snake oil salesmen. But people will tell you that there are things you have to have or do in your Christian life that actually are not scriptural. Okay? And some of them will tell you not to eat pork or this or that or the other. And the danger is because you're motivated to do the right thing for God, you can get yourself in a, a, a state where you, you go back to things that are laws and works and so forth instead of what is true. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't seek to serve God and live a life that honors him and so forth, because you certainly should. And what's lovely about Naaman is he clearly gets this because he is 
going to go back. He's going to carry on. He's, he's tied to the king of Syria or Aram. But he's got this one problem. And he's, he's already figured it out. He has to stand next to the king when the king goes into the cathedral. Well, sorry, the temple of Rimmon. And the, the king literally leans on his arm as the king watches the sacrifices to this, what he now realizes is an idol, a false god. How can I stand there and do that? I'm going to need the Lord's forgiveness. As you live your daily life, you are exposed to things that will trouble your conscience. It doesn't mean you're involved with them, but you need to keep coming back to God. The picture of Jesus washing the disciples' feet and what Peter said about, oh, wash the whole body. No, you're clean, but I'm going to wash your feet. Is a bit of a picture of the idea that we do pick up stuff and we do need to come back to the Lord again and again. But Naaman, who's been fully cleansed seven times in the Jordan, skin like a baby, is concerned that he might defile himself again and be unworthy. And he realizes he wants to continue. And he, he's in the Old Testament, so sacrifices were what they did. He wants to sacrifice to the Lord for his sin, basically. That's why he wants to take the earth. Now, he hasn't got it quite right, but Elisha says, go in peace. He says, the Lord will accept you. The Lord has decided to accept you. This thing is not going to stop the Lord from having cleansed you and renewed you. So it is unusual. It is not something you should follow as a pattern. Please don't order, you know, tiles from the church or um, earth from Jerusalem or whatever else. You can worship God wherever you are, but it's coming with clean hands and a pure heart. And, and I can't come before the Lord with clean hands and a pure heart unless I confess my sin. We did that earlier. We prayed and we thank the Lord for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Hebrews, there is a passage which says that we come in the light of Jesus' sacrifice. So I'm just going to read Hebrews chapter 9 from 11. When Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, that's not the tabernacle anymore, the Old Testament one, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, that's the sort of sacrifice that Naaman was thinking of offering, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer sacrifices for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. If you truly come empty-handed because you can't offer anything to Jesus and you repent, which basically means turning away from your rejection of God and accepting that he is Lord, 
and everything else that you did that flows from the fact that you didn't think he was Lord has to change because of that. He cleanses you and your conscience. And your conscience is changed. So you want to glorify God. You want to serve God. You want to leave behind the acts that led to death and follow him. When Peter preached in Acts, he said, repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent meant accept Jesus as Lord. That's the word for us. It's not something you have to put on a suit and tie to do. It's not something you need to have crawled up some steps praying every time or gone through a rosary bead or done other rituals to do. It is a very simple thing, except that you have to humble yourself to do it. You have to swallow your pride and go, you know what, Lord? I've got this wrong. I'm going to change what I do. That's what repentance is. It's accepting that we've been rebelling against God, that we're sinful, that we don't do things our way. Because, well, we, we've been doing things our way, but we shouldn't because they're wrong. But instead, we do things God's way. But when you become a Christian, when you accept that, and when you look to the risen Jesus and accept him as Lord... That doesn't instantly change you. You don't go home and throw away your wardrobe and put on a new um, T-shirt, like, sorry, God fixed it for me or something. You don't have to do those things. You don't have to put on a different physical uniform. You don't have to change everything. In fact, C.S. Lewis pointed out that one of the strange things to him about becoming a Christian was he realized that after becoming a Christian, he carried on doing the things he did before. He was still a lecturer. He was still studying English literature. He was still meeting the same people. He was still doing the same things as he did before. Naaman went back. He was still the commander of the king's army. He was still in that position. He still did those other things. One of those things troubled his conscience. So you have to look at those things and think, well, I need to change this. But you don't instantly say, everything is different. I'm going to leave everything behind. Because actually, God changes you where you are. Now, you've got to be careful with that, because sometimes God changes you and then sends you somewhere else. That's how the gospel spreads. You know, look at the biographies of famous missionaries, and often they, they are sent somewhere. But usually, it starts with them changing where they are. Because they have to learn to follow the Lord first. Naaman wants to serve the Lord. Naaman wants to honour God. Naaman is conscious that the things that he's done in the past were defiling. They were works that lead to death. But his conscience, not just his body, has been cleansed. He is like a newborn babe, spiritually as well. And he wants to grow. I'm going to come to the second half of this passage this evening. But I would point out that there is a man who didn't like this very much and thought Naaman should pay. I'm going to deal with Gehazi this, this evening. But I'm going to mention just one thing. There are a lot of people 
who believe that it is an absolute outrage that somebody who has been a thief or maybe a murderer or something else can turn to God and be saved. There are people we think there must be something they have to do before they can have the free gospel. No, because then it's not free. There is no payment we can make. There is nothing our holy God needs from us that we should be saved. And the other thing that I heard, which was quite interesting, was a a person approached a preacher who'd been preaching the fact that you can come to God and you can repent and the blood of Jesus will take away your sins, cleanse your conscience. And he said, you can't preach that. Because if that's the case, if they can go off and do what they want afterwards, it's going to be chaos. Where's the fear? Because, and this is a lot of people's view of religion. Religion is about being afraid of God and, and doing things to stay out of trouble. But this isn't Christianity. Christianity is God has saved you and you want to honour him now. And the key is in that verse in Hebrews. The conscience has been cleansed so that you can serve the living God. Naaman didn't want to go back to being a raider and a pillager and taking more slaves and doing all the other things. He didn't want to be what he was. He didn't want to be a happy pagan anymore. He wanted to serve God. Because God had changed him. You can get people who look like they're doing the right things because their culture suggests that they should. And as the culture shifts, they shift with it. A bit like a chameleon. You can get the little girl who's been told, sit down. Sit down. No, sit down. And so she sits down and looks at mum and says, I'm still standing up on the inside. The heart is not changed. There's an appearance, but it's not a reality. Naaman was completely changed when God met him and cleansed him. And when he simply obeyed the word of God, that's when that happened. That is true of all Christians. But we have to remember, like Naaman, that we could get involved in things that will try to Take us back to what we were. We'll start to rely on things we don't need to rely on. The only way to avoid that, well, the only ways to avoid that is, one, don't stop meeting together because you need to meet together, even if it's on Zoom for the next few weeks. But secondly, meet around the word. Come to the Lord. Keep short accounts because actually each of us It's living in a world that is constantly pressurising us to do things that we know attack our conscience. We need to keep that conscience clean. And to do that, we need to continually go back to God and ask for forgiveness, which is what Naaman realised he had to do. The grace of God is free to everyone who turns to him. It is his grace. It is his love. It is his mercy. And whilst we cannot pay him back, we can show our gratitude and we are free to serve him where we are. And that is between us and the Lord and we need to continually keep that relationship fresh. 
otherwise we, we slip away or the light dulls. And <coughs> we end up under the Lord's discipline because he won't let us go. He'll sort us out. Like the little girl who sat on the bottom of the stairs and they said, are you ready now to uh, say sorry to your sister for hitting her? Nope. Okay. Are you sure you're not ready? Nope. So then she gets sent upstairs and eventually she sorts herself out and comes down and repents and hugs her sister and so forth. That's discipline. At no point was she not a member of the family. At no point was she not loved by the parents, but she was disciplined. And I think we, we need to realise we're clean, but we maybe need our feet washed. We're clean, but we mustn't say we're without sin. We come to the Lord. We confess our sin. And whenever we take communion, as we did this morning, it reminds us that we need to proclaim the Lord's death to ourselves as well as to others until he comes. Well, let's pray. Because I'm well aware that despite what it says over there, it's still not quarter to 11. It's actually 25 to 12. <coughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. You so loved us that you, in obedience to the Father, came and proclaimed the word of God to us. But you also are the word of God to us. You are the, the one who has paid the price for us to turn back to you. And Lord, we recognize, even as we sit here, that you are at work in us by your spirit, pointing out things that are offensive to you. And Lord, we can only ask that you would forgive us and cleanse us and cleanse our consciousness, our consciences, so that we can serve you. But Lord, we do that with a confidence that that once and for all sacrifice and the blood of the Lord Jesus is enough to do that. And Lord, we just pray that as we now turn again to praise you and as we, as we leave, as we spend the next four weeks in a, a different environment again, another lockdown, we would not forget your grace. We would remember your love. And Lord, we would be willing to share that with others to your glory. Amen.